You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. What's left of your Christmas? I'm excited to dive into that this morning. But before we do, if I haven't had the honor of meeting you, my name is Dave Brock. I'm the Executive Ministries Pastor here at Calvary. And I want to do one final shout out for one of the new groups that we're starting in January 8th, and this last one is called Moving Faith. This one's going to be taught by Pastor Nick on Wednesday nights, and it's talking about moving from where we are in our present faith, in our walk with God, and how do we move past the habits and the things in our lives that are preventing us from moving forward in all that God has in store for us. We've got so many different groups that are joining, ones at homes, different businesses, but also here at Calvary for how we can grow in who we are and our identity with Christ. We'd love to have you join us. You can check it out actually online at groups.calvaryirwin.com or in our new church center app. There's ways that you can find about each group. Join in. We've got groups of all different kinds, shapes, and sizes. I promise that we have a group for you. But as we dive into this conclusion of vintage Christmas, raise your hand if you have a tradition that you do for Christmas. Probably most of us, if not all of us, we got some sort of tradition. Maybe the tradition is no tradition. Maybe the tradition is getting together with everybody on Christmas morning or going to a family member's house. Whatever it is, we have these traditions. But Christmas also kind of brings out the culmination of a year. And in our year, we almost sometimes can fall into a trap. I call this the Christmas trap of, I deserve this because it's been an awful year. Or I deserve that because it's been an incredible year. Or I just deserve this because I made it through the year. Whatever it is, we can fall into the trap of what I deserve. Because it's Christmas. There's no reason I should just deserve it because I exist. And we fall into this. I'm right, right? We all fall into that. It's like, yeah, it's Christmas. I deserve this. I'm going to treat myself to whatever it is, that extra size at Starbucks, whatever it is. You're like, I'm going to treat myself because I deserve this. And there's nothing wrong with saying I deserve this, right? We all deserve these different things that we can sometimes spoil ourselves with. But then, well, we'll dive into that other part. But the reality is, there's many times, maybe even this time, where the truth is I don't deserve this. I don't deserve what I was receiving. I don't deserve what I got. I don't deserve what I have. I definitely don't deserve what I'm about to get. And we can fall into these traps, and Christmas can open that up and say, I deserve this because of A, B, and C. But the reality is we don't deserve certain things because of D, E, and F. And it prevents us sometimes from actually experiencing the joy of Christmas. I love Christmas. I love getting to hang out with friends and family. And my traditions have transformed radically throughout the years as we've grown, as several family members have left us and we've welcomed new ones in. The traditions, the life, the location has changed. This year I was honored my parents got to come out and visit us and we went home from Christmas and they treated us to one of my favorite foods, lobster. And then we also had scallops. And some of you guys might be salivating right now saying I hate you because you just mentioned lobster and I really want lobster right now. It's only 11.08 in the morning. But... I don't know if I deserve lobster, but I certainly ate it. I had two whole tails. But the idea is, we have these traditions. And this year, I, uh, I've been going through a task that my parents asked me to do. 
And for some of you guys who might be uh, in the millennial age, which millennials are a lot older than we realize now, right? They're in their upper 20s through lower 40s. Um, so you might not even know you're a millennial. But the idea is, uh, we all had these things that documented our history. If you were here for Christmas at Calvary, you got to see part of my traditions growing up with my family together. And these things were documented on something called VHS tapes. <laughs> Some of you guys have no idea what a VHS tape is if you're part of the younger crowd. But for the rest of us who know what a VHS tape is, there's nothing like taking that giant black cassette and hoping it worked, hoping your sister didn't record over whatever it was, because you could record over anything, even the Disney movies, and you just put it in and you can destroy anything. And somehow, thankfully, my family's history, the mementos, were not destroyed. My parents said, hey, we need to digitize these. So we got the devices and everything, and I've been going through hours upon hours upon hours of footage. Because, you know, some of these tapes, depending on your setting, you had the low-quality setting, which gave you up to six hours per tape. That takes a while. And then there's a high-quality one, so it gave you maybe an hour and a half to two hours. But I've been going through them, and we've been going through Christmas. Every year we got the Christmas, and, you know, they all, these videos start once you have kids. They don't necessarily start any other time, but they start when you have kids. Why? Because you want to remember what your kids were like, not necessarily because they, you want to remember what you looked like with hair. I had that problem. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But <laughs> we're going through, and you see one-year-old David, or not even one, one years old, and then two years old, got my sister now, and, you know, that changes everything. And you just continue to go through the history and we digitized this. We've got the big Christmas Eve. I grew up in a big Italian family, and I didn't grow up growing a church uh, on Christmas Eve. But in fact, we kind of had our own kind of church service at our house. We had 30-plus family members at my house. This was part of the video I shared with you if you were here for Christmas at Calvary. And we just sat around. We sang Christmas carols, and we talked about what Christmas meant and what Jesus did for us and how God sent Jesus to be born to die. For us, and we celebrated this as a family and friends. And Christmas morning, you know, my sister and I had the match, matching Christmas pajamas. And we, we didn't always match our parents, but my parents matched each other. I'm still teasing my dad about the time he was in the white sweatpants. You know, that's the 90s when you're all in tight sw white sweatpants. But, <laughs> you know, all these histories, these memories, and there's videos of my sister and I coming down the stairs. And we turned the corner to where our Christmas tree was. And there was awe and wonder of the amount of gifts. Things that as a child, you don't always understand or even recognize the significance of what was under these trees, of what it meant, of what it still means. Because the, the presents we received, the presents I received, weren't about the quantity, right? Now, I was just talking with my mom this past week, and her and my dad were teasing each other about how my sister and I always had to have the exact same amount of gifts as the others. Some of you guys are nodding your heads. You've either have that rule or you had to do that. And we had to be within $5 of each other. Not just the same amount, but within $5. That was a task, not for the weary. And as I watched these videos year after year, Sometimes the gifts were bigger, sometimes the gifts were smaller, sometimes there was more, sometimes there was less, but it was worth the same. 
And I, I was humbled. I was humbled because I guarantee that I did plenty of things those years that would have disqualified me from deserving any of those gifts, any of those presents. I'm gonna share about one of my presents in a moment. But there's so many things I could have done and I might have even done the day before within 24 hours of Christmas morning that would have disqualified me from being humbled by being gifts because these gifts didn't represent how much I earned or unearned these presents. They were a gift of love from my friends, my family, my parents. And I'm willing to say that there's nothing I can do to unearn that love from my parents. And those of you who are parents would probably agree that about your children, but then also your parents. Now, I know there's exceptions, but the idea is that within families, within parents and children, there are things that you are willing to lay down, things that you are willing to give to your child, your friend, your loved one, that you would never give to anybody else because you love them. Christmas captures that so much because it was Christmas that made me learn about generosity. Things that you learn as you grow older, the knowledge that you come across about each of the things that you are given, really begin to transform the way we understand that love of Christ from Christmas. Because it's not about the quantity of gifts. I don't know what Jesus did with that gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know if that made the trip with them throughout and he just carried them in a backpack or a fanny pack wherever he went. So it wasn't about what the gifts were, but what the gifts meant. The generosity behind them. And I'd like to think that the generosity I was shown as a child made possible the generosity that I'm able to give and show in my life. See, opening all those gifts showed me what Christmas made possible. And I'm here to tell you today that Christmas, that Jesus was born that Christmas morning so that this is now possible. Christmas made victory a reality. Christmas made victory a reality. The things that are to come, the things that we have yet to see in our lives, we can see victory because of what Christmas gave birth for now and forever. Because if Jesus was never born, the rest of what he did for us would never come to pass. And if that never happened, we would not be sitting here at all. But because Jesus was born, Christmas made victory a reality. If you have your Bible, it's going to ask that you open up to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And I like how the Christian Standard Bible takes this. And it says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. He would not also, with him, grant us everything. How many of you think that sounds like you as a parent? I will grant my child anything if it means their well-being, if it means that they are taken care of. If you don't have children, think about a loved one. Think about somebody in your life that you would give anything for to see them thrive in life. 
Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're going to read that last portion again. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So there's a very important thing that we can easily forget. It's that Christ loved us us first. Christ loved you first. Before you knew who he was, before you knew the path that he laid out before you, the things that he did and prepared for you, he loved you first. He loved me first. So that I, so that you could be more than a conqueror. Because Christmas made victory a reality. And this starts with Christmas morning because God did not withhold his son from us. God did not withhold his son from you, from me, your family, your moment, your situation. God did not withhold his son from you. But not just giving in birth but in giving his life. See, God not just withhold, he didn't just not withhold Jesus at birth, but he didn't withhold Christ on the cross. Because Christmas made victory a reality. That's what Christmas made possible. The victory that we can see in our lives. See, we don't withhold good things from our loved ones, from our kids, our parents, our spouses, whatever it is, we don't withhold that Christmas present that we bought in July in great anticipation and say, I was going to give you this, but instead I'm going to teach you a lesson about gratitude, so I'm not going to give this to you because it's better for you. We don't do that. Could you imagine doing that on Christmas morning? Saying, hey, I bought you that new Nerf toy that you wanted, but uh, you know what, I'm going to keep it instead. This way you learn about being grateful for what you have. That wouldn't go over well at all. We'd, we'd be hearing about you on the news probably. So imagine that. And you know what's amazing is this was prophesied all the way in Genesis. Chapter 22 with Abraham and his son Isaac. If you're a Bible reader in this room, you might be familiar with this story of Abraham praying and praying and praying to God. Saying, God, I want a child. And it seemed like it would never happen. Maybe you're in that boat right now. Hold on to God's promise. 
And he was blessed with a son named Isaac. And God asked Abraham, you said you would give me everything, that you would give me anything. I want you to give me your son. And I can't even imagine the struggle that Abraham was facing. He said, all right, you're right, God. So he prepared, and he took his son up the mountain. And when there came time for the sacrifice that was typically done with an animal, Isaac looked at his father and said, Dad, where's the animal? And Abraham said, God will supply. God will supply. If that's not a testimony of what God did supply, I don't know what is. And in that act of choosing to say, God, I give you my son, God intervened and said, no, I now know that there is nothing you will keep from me. And he spared his son. But then so many years later, we see God do the exact same thing but this time he didn't withhold. He gave the ultimate sacrifice of his son to be born, to die, to be risen. See, God gives us all we need. Psalms 34.10 says, Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. I'm going to pause right there. Sometimes we read the scripture and we see it on a very tangible level. Sometimes we see the scripture and we think, oh, well, I want this, or I believe I need this, so if God's not meeting my tangible need, then this scripture isn't true. But it's not true to me, but it's true to God, and what he says, here's what I need. And what we need is him, because he promises something so much greater than what we can ever have here, and that is eternal life with him. And he's provided us the path to see that come true in our lives, and that love that he has for us. He gave us the gift of communion with him. He gave us that gift, and through it, through Christ, we receive the payment for the things that I know I don't deserve. And you might be in here saying, there's plenty of things that I don't deserve, Pastor Dave. I promise you that, and I'm in agreement. There's things that I've done that I know I don't deserve what Christ has given me. And you have to choose to know that's okay, because Christ loved me first. And this you just have to accept it. And that's a great thing. See, now begins, this Christmas season is past, and now begins the transition from Christ's birth to Christ's death. Over this next season, we're going to continue to explore this as a church, of what it looks like in our faith, of what it looks like to move past from the gift that Christ has given us into the eternal gift that he continues to give us. So from Christ's birth to Christ's death, and his death to his resurrection, and his resurrection to his return. Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh Shema, the Lord is here. Born our Savior, died our Savior, risen our Savior, always our Savior. 
Christmas made victory a reality. We have victory in ways that we never remember because worthy is the lamb who was slain, who was and is and is to come. This isn't a promise for the past. This isn't just a promise for now, but this is a promise for all eternity that Christmas made victory a reality. And the truth is that Christ continues to love us. Even when we made a dumb mistake yesterday, the day before that, maybe this morning, maybe later when you go home, next week, every five minutes, who knows? But the truth is, through all of that, Christ continues to love us. How can we not have joy in knowing and understanding that? That Christ didn't just love me first, but that Christ continues to love me always, even when I don't deserve it. Maybe you're like me in this way, maybe you're not. You ever make a mistake and you're like, all right, well, uh, I guess I gotta undo what I did for God and just show him, hey, you know, I do love you. I'm like, you gotta make right, you gotta make penance for the wrong thing you just did. I'm like, no, but that's not how God works. God's not asking you for penance. God's asking you for repentance. To move past the decisions that we've made and not try to make them right, but to move forward and to just continue to do what is right. Christ continues to love us. And through that, we understand that Christmas made that victory a reality. And through our troubles, through those moments, we learn that Christmas can be a season, a moment of reconciliation. Those that we've wronged, sometimes we feel within the season, the spirit, whatever you want to call it going on, that I'm going to make right with somebody that I made wrong. Maybe even on the receiving end of that, maybe somebody's reached out to you that you haven't talked to in a while. In the season of reconciliation too, Show that love that Christ didn't just show us, but continues to show us. Because Christmas made victory a reality. When my family was visiting this week, my father shared with me some exciting news. See, when I was growing up, my dad had really close friends, and they didn't have kids. But my sister and I were kind of like their kids. They were over, they were actually in that video that I shared at Christmas at Calvary. They were always at our family gatherings. They were basically family. And this was the people that actually, um, they gave me the Nintendo 64. Last week, if you were here, you heard that Lance got his Nintendo when he was 14 in 1995. And I got this a couple years later in 1999. I got a Nintendo 64 from these, these friends, basically that were like family. Maybe you've got somebody like that in your life. Maybe you are that person to somebody. But throughout life, as life continued to progress, they disappeared. They were part of my family, part of my life for so long, and then one day, they didn't tell anybody, and they moved. My dad could no longer get a hold of him. They somehow found out when my grandmother passed away, and they sent a card to the funeral home, never addressing my family outside of that. Days turned to months, Months turned to years. Years turned to over a decade. And my dad shared with me this week that he received a card from them with reconciliation, with unknown still what led to this moment, 
but an invitation to get together, an invitation to meet up. There's something about that love of Christ that continues to do the same thing because you have a perpetual invitation to meet up with Jesus. Because Christmas brings victory and makes it a reality in all situations, in all circumstances. See, these things, our choices, our desires, our wants, whatever they are, they may separate us from each other. They may separate us from our friends, our spouses, our kids, our parents, our coworkers, whatever it may be. But while those things may separate us from man, they will never separate us from God. Because Christmas makes victory a reality. Christmas is only this first evidence, though. We continue to see this as we build towards Easter and unfold how this evidence continues in our lives and how it's continuing today. It didn't just end that Easter morning, but it continues today and will continue moving forward for what Christ has in store for you, the victory that he has in store for you. See, Christmas gave birth to the beginning of eternal victory. Eternal victory. I can't even wrap my head around that sometimes because everything we see here is finite. We have a birthday and we have an end day. But that end day is not an end when we know Christ. That end day is a new birthday because we are born through Christ. We will spend eternity with Christ. That is an eternal victory. Revelation 12, 11 says, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. That's to come. We should not love our lives to that point of death, but we should love Christ through that point. Because Christmas made victory a reality, and that reality comes true through knowing Christ. Born a Savior. Died our Savior. Risen our Savior. Always our Savior. Victory is now a reality because of Christmas. But if Romans says we are more than conquerors, what's more than a conqueror? It's like, thanks for not telling us. What's more than a conqueror? A word that you might not even know is a word. It's a triumpher. A triumpher means a victor. One who walks and celebrates in victory. Some of you guys might be Googling to see if that really is a word. I promise you it is. Rejoicing in victory. What's more than a conqueror? One who is victorious. One who is rejoicing with the victory that we have found in Christ. It's not about what we're about to overcome today or tomorrow or last week or last year or this last decade, but it's about the things that we will continue to conquer and see victory in our lives because of Christ being born. That's Christmas. That's joy. Because Christmas made victory a reality. Some of you guys might have uh, some jewelry on you. Mine's not gold. Maybe you have something that's gold. Whatever the meaning of the jewelry is, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's just for a show, whatever it is, earrings. I don't have an earring. You might have an earring. But the idea is gold comes in a couple forms, and there's different levels of purity, right? And gold jewelry, when it's 
unrefined has imperfections. It may be mixed and blended with other metals, like silver or whatever they are, all the various different forms of fillers. If you're a jeweler in this room, you might be able to tell me all the other kinds of metals that you would mix to make jewelry. But when gold is introduced to refining fire, the impurities melt away. And what you're left with is pure. What you're left with is nothing, nothing but gold. Let me rephrase this. When the gold is, expi- is, no, when the gold is exposed, it's refined. And when it's refined, it's made pure. When we come to Christ in our rawness, in our blendedness, and say, God, refine me. I'm exposing the mess of my life to you. Make me pure in you. And in that act, we see Christmas make victory a reality. See, it's not just the things in our lives. It's not our inflictions that keep us from God. It's not all those different things, but the refining moments of our lives through these inflictions begin to bring us closer to living in a God-honoring way. And that way is being more than a conqueror. That way is being victorious. See, Christ's strength is what enables us to bear the moments of life that afflict us. It's not my strength. It's Christ's strength. We are not... We are not conquerors in our own strength, but in God's grace. We are not conquerors in our own strength, but in God's grace. If that doesn't bring a smile to your face, I don't know what will. Because it's not about me. Christmas, Christ was born for us, born a Savior, died a Savior, risen a Savior, always our Savior. John 16, as the band comes on up, it reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Maybe you're in a situation right now that you may be feeling is inhibiting peace. Hold to this. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Christ has conquered. Christ has seen victory in all things. And by being co-heirs in Christ, by giving our lives wholly to him, Christmas made victory a reality. Christ overcame the good things and the bad things. Sometimes we only think of overcoming as the bad things, right? You only have to overcome what's wrong. But the truth is, sometimes we need to overcome the good things in our lives, too. Because every good and bad thing that we experience now is nothing compared to the eternity, the eternal victory that we will have in Christ. And Christ overcame not just the bad, but the good things of this world. So all we have left to do is step into the victory. Christ isn't telling us to earn the victory. Christ isn't telling us that there's things we need to do in order to see a victory. 
Christ claimed and conquered and gave us this victory. So all we have to do is step into it. The eternal victory that he has in store for you and for me. And we can hold to that promise that no matter what I am facing right now, one day I will step into victory. I will step into eternity because Christmas made victory a reality. No longer do I have to sacrifice what means the most to me. I don't have to sacrifice an animal. I don't have to sacrifice my son, but that I simply, by following Jesus, have to step into victory. Christmas made victory a reality because Christ was born our Savior, died our Savior, was risen our Savior, and is always our Savior. Always. And I look forward to that day. But that doesn't mean we don't need a victory right now sometimes, right? Maybe you've had a great year. Maybe you've had the worst year of your entire life. I promise you that God wants to see victory in your life. It's not always the way you expect. It's also not even the way that you may want. But I promise you that God will bring victory into your life. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord, your God, is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight with you with singing. And in the bad times, he's there with you too. And in the good times, he's celebrating with you too. Christmas made victory a reality. Christ loved you first. Christ will continue to love you. Because Christ gave and continues to give you victory. Christmas made victory a reality. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 